Brendan O'Connor on RTE Radio 1, sponsored by Timber Living Log Cabins. For your perfect workspace, living space or hideaway, timberliving.ie. Brendan O'Connor on RTE Radio 1. Okay then, here to tell us what's on our small and big screens this week are writer Henrietta McCurvey and Irish Times film correspondent Donald Clark. Good afternoon, guys. Hi. Hello. Donald, the Oscars tonight. I, I, you are, to my mind, pound for pound, the best Oscar analyst in, in, in Ireland. So uh, let's... Very kind of you, Brendan. I would point out, though, that la- I was on this show last 12 months ago Did with you, you and you got yeah. it right and I got it wrong on best picture. So oh, yeah. You, well, like, yeah so yeah, you yeah. are now the greatest Oscar pundit. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are if last If I beat the number one, does that make me the number one yes. automatically? Okay. Not that I'm coming right. up with myself. Okay, okay so uh, you, I, you basically wrote last week, I remember, that we're probably not going to have any Irish wins. Uh, oh, no. I, I think I, you're I didn't quite say that. Yeah. No, I, mean, I mean, I said that's a possibility. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually do not think that will happen. I mean, I think, though, the guaranteed wins are perhaps not coming from the direction that has been most heavily publicised. I think Richie Bainham is definitely going to win uh, Best um, Visual Effects for Avatar. Okay. Um, he has been sort of left and been ignored in the hubbub uh, that's come around. That's deservedly. Has he won before? Oscars. He was. Yeah. He, he has. He won for the first Avatar film. He's up for the sequel and it's runaway favourite. And um, very nice guy from Tala um, gave a great speech at the BAFTAs where he thanked everyone in Irish um, just to press home the fact that he is the, the ignored man in this Irish way. <laughs> um, I think the short has a 50-50 chance. Um, uh, an Irish goodbye as 50-50 with as a film produced by Alfonso Cuaron, which also has a good chance of winning. I think Kerry Condon is the most likely person of, among the actors to win. Um, which people might not have guessed at the beginning, not because there's anything wrong with her performance, she's great in, in Banshees of Inish Sharon, but just as things have worked out, she's ended up in a kind of three-horse race in Best Supporting Actress um, with Jamie Lee Curtis from Everything Everywhere uh, All at Once um, uh, and Angela Bassett um, from uh, the Black Panther film, which is a bit of a career Oscar. It's if you time, get it. I believe. It's time, exactly. Angela yeah. Bassett okay. much better work than she has done here. But, but so yes, reckon- there's every possibility, but I mean, yeah. I don't think we're looking at more than three or four it's possible that we... It, well, actually, it's not really possible to get nothing because Richard Bainham's winning. <laughs> so okay. that's, that's all there is to it. Okay. You reckon everything, everywhere, all at once will sweep the boards? That's going to be the one? Yes. Um, uh, it has, I mean, the thing to watch in all these things are the precursor awards. It won with the Producers Guild of America. It won with the Directors Guild of America. And it won the Ensemble Prize at um, the Screen Actors Guild. Uh, no film has won all three of those without getting... Oh, sorry, only one film has won all three of those without winning Best Picture. Uh, that was Apollo 13 way back in the mid-1990s. So okay. it would be extraordinary. I mean, there's a, there was a story yesterday, and I think... Um, I can't remember where it was, in one of the trade papers, that it is arguably the mo- that won more awards than any other film. Uh, now, the grain of salt here, to be like this, there are many, many more, more awards around now than there yeah, were okay. 30 or 40 years ago it took me about a half an hour to kind of settle into it and then I kind of went I wonder, is this like the greatest film about the meaning of life ever made in in a weird way? I was fine on it. I mean, it's it's interesting you say that because one thing about its its surge over the last, I mean, another, I mean, I say the last six months, interesting thing about it is it was released in March in the United States and no film has been released that early and won Best Picture since um, Silence of the Lambs back in the early 1990s. Um, Okay. doesn't seem to be a factor here. It it, it was, was it a kind of a slow grower with people? Well, no, well it, was, it did very well in the box office in the US 
Um, it took over 100 million, and over 100 million in post-COVID times is a lot more than 100 million used to be, Twenty, <laughs> uh, used to be f four or five years ago. But it did very well, and it had that surge. Then the people at that stage thought, oh, well, it's not the kind of film that win wins Oscars. Uh, Michelle Yeoh will probably get a Best Actress nomination, but she can't win, and now we think she very May, may, may well win. But what I was getting to slowly was in, in relation to your comments is it hasn't gone down nearly as well on this side of the Atlantic as it has in the United States as witnessed by the BAFTA awards a few weeks ago when it won just one award for editing. Um, and my feeling about, I mean, I liked the film, I enjoyed it, but I felt it was a bit repetitive. I sort of felt after an hour I'd got it. And I didn't have the kind of emotional involvement in it that many Americans, and apparently you, <laughs> seem to have, which is fair enough. And I do would say... Oh, yeah, because I'm like a big crass dummy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whereas no. Arto's Mooby Donald <laughs> didn't right. get it. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, I should say... That's absolutely not what I'm saying. I mean, I, I, mean, I should I think it's fair to point out that, I'm, that it is very easy to read um, uh, um, un, uh, dishonest narratives into why people like films, and I don't. I think people yeah. genuinely have you do seen it, like it? No, I haven't. Yeah, it's well. I'd be interested to see what you think. Um, Briefly, but before we move on to things, they, so the major acting awards, Donald, who's going to win them? Uh, well, this is interesting. For those of us who are interested in this nonsense, um, it's the first time in a long time that three of the acting awards have been up for grams by the time you get to the evening. Generally, this is done and dusted. <laughs> At least two, maybe three. Uh, in this case, I mean, only one is done and dusted, which is Best Sporting Actor, which uh, uh, Kehi Kwan is going to win for uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once. He went everywhere apart from BAFTA, as we okay. pointed out, because, because that, that's in... Move along, so move along. Yeah. Um, best actress, 50-50 between Michelle Yeoh for everything, everything Everywhere All at Once uh, and Kate Blanchett for Tar. Uh, best supporting actress we already mentioned, which is um, Condon, which is a three-horse three, three horse race right. um, between uh, Kerry Condon um, and um, the other two. And uh, Austin Butler or, um, um, uh, uh, I would for say, uh, uh, Brendan Fraser are... Uh, going to win Best Actor. Colin Farrell's drifted, unfortunately, out to the, the, I think the book he's put in about nine to one okay. as a third favourite. Again, he lost at BAFTA. Now, don't take this the wrong way, but that counts as kind of a home game for Banshees. It was up for Best British Film. We're not making any okay. colonialist suggestions okay. here. So if he couldn't win there, it's hard to see him winning at the Okay, American well, look, Academy. it'd be great to see Kerry Condon win. She it would be great. Well She's a fantastic yeah, actress. Yeah. Um, Henrietta, let's get back down to earth. So, Wild Isles starts uh, at 7 o'clock on BBC One tonight. This is potentially David Attenborough's last TV series. Well, and there are five of them. There's a sixth phantom one that conspiracy theorists are claiming <laughs> yes, is not being shown because the, controversy the Tories about control that. the BBC. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The the Guardian, yeah. Let's focus on, this, on the moment this that it yes. is uh, potentially Attenborough's last series. Yes, season. he is 96 and he's been on the screen since 1954. Like, it's amazing yeah. what he hasn't seen and what he hasn't told us and it like I think we should treasure him while we have him you know in an age where there's so much information and facts getting distorted like he he shows how to wield his power and responsibility in an amazing way and this new five-part series so it celebrates and explores the beautiful wildlife found in the UK and Ireland or the British Isles as a lot of the UK media <laughs> insist on calling it um, so there's five episodes and it investigates how the woodland, grassland, freshwater and ocean habitats support wildlife of all kinds. And he says, having travelled all over the world and seen the most amazing things, what we have here is on a par with anything he's seen anywhere else. Um, so there's, the, there's sort of an introductory episode 
uh, tonight, which explains why um, it's also globally important for nature, what we have here. And then the following four episodes each celebrate a different habitat. So there's woodlands, grasslands, freshwater and marine. Okay. It sounds cool. fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And good good that it's closer to home as well. Yeah. Um, so, Donald, you picked a few things for that are on on St. Patrick's Day. Mm-hmm. Cartoon Saloon's Wolfwalkers is going to be on RT uh, on St. Patrick's Day, Friday, 2.35pm. More world-class Irish film. Uh, an Oscar nominee as well. T- ties in neatly what we're saying. That actually, they're <laughs> sorry to go on about this year's Oscars again. They're unlucky, I think, Cartoon Saloon not to get in this year. Uh, and to this point, every one of their features had been nominated. But uh, um, uh, the one, the, my father's Dragon this year didn't get in, which was unlucky. But uh, Wolf Walkers did, and Wolf Walkers looked like it could win at one stage. But I think I think it's the best of the Cartoon Saloon films in, in my feeling. Animation is really lovely. They have this lovely contrast between the city of Kilkenny, where the film is set in and around which is all kind of grids, and then this more organic animation for the uh, countryside around Kilkenny, uh, set during the Cromwellian period. They have a sort of Cromwell stand-in as the baddie who comes across like Vincent Price in Witchfinder General. One, one of the great film I really love okay. tonight. I think good it's one. my favourite of the cartoon saloon. Okay, a good one for all the family there. Um, Henrietta, Spencer Matthews, who we, we know him as Vogue Williams' husband, and as a yeah. kind of a... Made you know, in Chelsea reality. Charming kind yeah. of posh guy or whatever. Yeah. Whole other side to him, it sounds like, on Mount Everest, Finding Michael, which is on Disney+. Plus. Yes, and I was expecting that slightly more buffoonish person, I think, my preconceptions about sort of Made in Chelsea. Um, But this is a really moving and beautifully made documentary. So his older brother, Michael, died on Everest in May 1999, just three days after becoming the youngest ever Briton to reach the summit. Um, And this documentary follows... Uh, Spencer, who was 10, I think, when his brother died, and he decides they, they're sent a photograph. It's never really clear where the photograph comes from that purports to be, could be his body in the ice. And b- bodies are left bodies up there. Are, uh, seven people die on Everest every year, approximately, yeah. and most of the bodies end up being left there because if you weighed, say, 65 kilos alive, by the time you have absorbed ice, you're 200 kilos. And this is all done by hand people, the removal yeah. operations. And he also died at quite close to the summit, between the summit and Camp 4. And anything above 8,000 metres, they call the death zone. So it's, it's a very complicated operation. Um, and it is really beautifully made. And there's amazing drone footage. And just the reality of what it's like to be there. I mean, not this base camp, it's littered with tents. It actually looks like the outer fringes of Glastonbury. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's so odd, the idea of this sort of as a living, working mountain. You know, and he becomes involved with the Sharpest family and there's this whole other sort of twist to the story, which I won't give away as okay. a spoiler. Okay, so we put our, put our preconceptions about Spencer Absolutely, and it becomes okay. about mourning somebody who died as they were on the precipice of, alt- of adulthood. His family never really yeah. got to know him as an adult uh, and now they're trying to find him. It's beautiful. Okay, but so Mount Everest finding Michael on, on Disney, Disney Plus, Plus yeah. now. Um, Donald, tell us about um, you two's sort of homecoming on Disney, uh, also on St. Patrick's Day. I uh, haven't seen this yet. Um, I'm kind of looking forward to this. People have been mm. a bit kind of like huffy about it in some ways. But um, arriving to stream on St. Patrick's Day, David Letterman. Uh, is accompanying you two around Dublin on his first trip to the city, which I think is kind of appropriate as David Letterman now looks very like Ronnie Drew. Um, <laughs> that, uh, really or does. Noel Purcell, depending yeah. upon your, your, your views. I like uh, Noel Purcell, yeah. Yeah, we'll yeah. Know, go, go know Noel Purcell. Um, uh, so I haven't seen it yet, but a lot of information about it. It seems as if they go 
um, absolutely everywhere that a backpacker would have gone in the nineteen eighties. <laughs> he, he goes to an intimate an intimate concert um, performance from U two at the Ambassador at um, uh, on O'Connell Street of all places. Um, he goes to the forty foot and jumps in on a freezing cold morning, which is the only way, obviously. Um, takes a dart out to pray. You'd be last to hear. Um, and I said. I mean, they would go and hang around the graffiti wall in Windmill Lane if it was if it was still there, but sadly that's gone. Um, he inspires a new song with the Edge and Bono. I mean, I, I think it sounds like a perfect team. I think you two are, I mean, I'm one of those people who will every now and then pop up and say, give him a break. I mean, my people are a little bit too yeah. kind of mean about them, I think. And I would properly, I, I, mean, I, I mean, it sounds a bit like kind of the stuff that sits around a cooking show where they go to, where Rick Stein or whatever goes somewhere and they go and do this stuff. Before. Yeah, but sure, it'll be something for people to either give out about or enjoy. Henry the big sorry, sorry, sorry. The the big talking point on uh, the Netflix is this MH three seventy, the plane that disappeared. Is is it as good as the hype? Um it is with a lot as with a lot of Netflix shows, it's a three part documentary <laughs> that would have made an excellent one part yeah. documentary, but it is really interesting. I mean planes go up, planes go down, what planes don't do is disappear. And this plane disappeared nine years ago. There was 239 passengers and crew on board. And at the time, it seems like it was very badly handled. You know, it was such a massive loss and such an unexpected and unexplained loss. They just didn't seem to know what to do. And in that gap, all sorts of conspiracy theories obviously can spring up, many of which are still apply. you know, applied. It's still going around TikTok, apparently, all kinds of various stuff. Yeah, absolutely, because, I mean, there are, and there are loads of odd little puzzles about it. So it seemed to have made a massive descent into the water, of course, um, but then families were still, passengers' phones were still ringing hours later, you know, so there are all these Mm. odd little puzzles to it. And the theories around it are very interesting. and it follows some of the families involved. And there is footage of the families waiting in a hotel room for news. And that's very hard to hear because all you hear is wailing. You know, and so in that absence of information, there's just fear and trauma. And But it is it is very interesting. It's not an easy watch, but it's really okay. interesting. Yeah. yeah, the people who like this kind of thing will know who they are. And yeah. so this is clearly a good example of it. Okay, uh, that's all we have time for there. Thank you very much, Henrietta McCurvey. Thank you, Donald Clark. Um, you can listen back to all the items from today's show on our podcast at rte.ie forward slash Brendan. Today's show was produced by the series producer, Caroline Dalton. Research was by Katrina McFadden and Michelle Brown. Tarn O'Sullivan was the broadcast coordinator and Mark McGrath was on sound. Stay tuned for this week with Gavin and Justin after the news. Keelan X sent us in his version of What's Another Year. It's a kind of a, a 80s electronic pop version. So we leave you with that today.